And uh, did you bring your Bible? I already asked you that. <laughs> Say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your word, especially in this day and this hour. We thank you for your word. Your word is the rock and the foundation that we need our lives to be built upon. Lord, we're going to be hearers of the word and doers of the word. In Jesus' name, and somebody said... Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, we've been having a blast. If you haven't joined us on, uh, and we're going to continue until they censor that as well or change as well, but we're praying every morning from 6 to 7 on my personal Facebook page. You have to, you, I have to be your friend. So you have to invite, you know, ask me to invite you. If you ask, I will accept you. Praise the Lord. But uh, in that, but we get, I get up at at, in the morning, get ready, and then we pray from 6 to 7 in the morning, almost a whole hour. We don't go the whole hour, but we spend time, we're reading through the Word and praying the Word, praying that into our life. What happens is we read the Word and we just let it go. Something happens when you pray the Word into your life. When you say, God, I'm going to do that. I hear it, I receive it, and I'm going to do that. Because James said it like this, it is the engrafted Word that's able to save your soul. It's not the Word that goes in one ear and out the other. It's not the word that you say amen to on Sunday morning. It's the word that is a part of your life. It's the part that you hear and that you do. That's what's engrafted into your life. The word is in you when it's producing through you. Jesus said the word is sown in your heart. And when it gets to your heart, the word that is sown in your heart, that's taken root in your life, it produces the harvest that it contains. Amen? And so we're doing that. So if you want to join us, we have people all across the country joining us. So it's always fun to see who gets online. We have people from where we pastored 31 years ago that are connecting with us. So it's cool seeing old friends and family. I got guys I went to school with 50 years ago and graduated with them. They're online. That's so awesome. Maybe. So we're just having a blast. So we invite you to join us on Sunday morning or every morning. We're doing this for the next. We got 14 more days left. Amen. Hallelujah. So in your Bibles, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. This morning I'm going to talk about impacting your world. And, uh, but beginning in verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority. Somebody say all authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. Somebody say go. go. So there has to be a go to your life. Today in Matthew chapter 8, we read Jesus called his disciples, and then he sent them. He called them to himself, and then he sent themself from himself. God has a go and a sending to do in your life. We are his sent ones into the earth. Go, therefore, and make. Somebody say make. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all things that I have what? How many know that's not an option? Commandments are not options. They're not suggestions. They're things that we're supposed to do. Everything Jesus said, he commanded us to do. That I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to what? Thank God he's with us in this season, amen? Even to the end of the age, what looks like it. So this morning, I want to challenge you in this area and talking to you about how God can impact your life, but that God sometimes comes and asks us to do something beyond our own natural ability. 
Serving God is something where we bring our lives to him, but he doesn't ask us just to use our own abilities. He wants to endue us with power to go beyond what we're able to do naturally. He uses our natural gifts and ability, but he has more that he wants to do through our lives than just our own natural gifts and abilities. Amen? Now, I want you to hear this this morning just before I dive into this, because everything going on. Never let the distractions of the day move you off of the purpose of God in your life. I mean, just a couple distractions out there right now. Just a few things that you could get distracted by happening right now. Never let the distractions of the day move you off of God's purpose for your life. So I'm going to give you a little introduction that's not in your outline, but I want you to listen to me just for a few moments here before we dive into this. Each of us has more potential within us to make a greater impact in life than we realize. You have more potential in you. You give your life to Christ. God created you. Everything he creates, he created for increase. God created nothing to stay the same. You have increase on the inside of you. You have more potential to make an impact in life than you realize. The only limit to what God can do through a life surrendered to his will is our faith to believe in God and to believe in ourselves the way he believes in us. I wish I could get you to believe in who you are in Christ the way God believes in who you are and what he can do through your life. God has more for our lives than what we could ever imagine. We've been given such tremendous potential in life. Our only limitation in life is to truly believe that we, who we really are, that we really are who God says we are, and that we can do what he says we can do. You know, we declare Paul's I can scripture. I can do all things through Christ to what? By his strength. Come on, he strengthens us and enables to do it. So think about this. Think of all the places in scripture where God comes to man to reveal man's potential to himself. God shows up. Think about Gideon. Here's Gideon thrashing. He's surrounded by an enemy. They're living under oppression. God shows up to this guy hiding and, and shifting out some wheat to make some bread and says, hey, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. You who, me? Who, me? So God shows up to get you to believe in yourself and to reveal to you the potential that he has placed in you. Think about all those places that God has come to do that. It was always there in the man, but for some reason he could not see it. Circumstances and surroundings, people, relationships, Time and age. The excuses and reasons are unending, yet the potential is there all the same. It doesn't matter what's going on around you. Your potential in God is latent within you, resides on the inside of you. See, in Genesis chapter 6, we don't have time to read it, but if you go back, it's the account of that God calls Noah to build an ark. How many know the ark was more than a boat? God didn't say, hey, hey, Noah, build me a boat. God said, Noah, build me an ark. Build me an ark. Think about this. It is a vessel that would be able to house every living creature that God was going to spare from the flood in his judgment. God said, I'm, I'm getting ready to judge the holer. The, the, the thought in the intents of man's heart is only evil continually. My judgment is coming upon the earth, but there, there's a part of the earth that I'm going to redeem. I'm going to redeem the righteous out of the earth, and I'm going to redeem uh, uh, this part of my creation. Two of every unclean and seven of every clean animal, we're going to bring them into our, I'm redeeming, I have a redemption plan. But you're building the vessel of redemption. 
Do you know that there's an analogy between the ark and the church? God prepared an ark before the first judgment, and he prepared the church for the second judgment. Amen. It says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the last day. And it's more than just the behavior of the people during that time. It's that there's a place of refuge and redemption and safety from the judgment that is to come. And that's the church of the Lord. We're commissioned to build the church, to build the ark of God for redemption in this hour. Somebody ought to say amen. See, it's so easy to read over this and to miss the magnitude of what God had asked a man in the earth to do. The consequences of this one man's actions and obedience would impact all of humanity and creation. How we respond to what God has called us to do in our day and our hour in being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the ark of refuge in this hour has impact, eternal impact upon all of humanity and creation. See, there was something God was going to do in the earth, but it would take the cooperation of a man. You need to hear me. A man who would believe that he had the potential in him to accomplish such a task for God. God needs you to believe that he can accomplish something great for his kingdom and his glory through your life. Think about it. God was asking What God was asking of this man was greater than just asking him to use his own natural abilities. What God is asking of you to get beyond yourself. Get beyond just saying, well, look at at all the excuses we give to God. Well, I can't do that. I'm not good at this. God's not asking you what what you're good at. He's asking you to believe that he wants to accomplish his will through your life. And he equips you and empowers you to do it by his grace. Somebody ought to shout amen. Amen. Somebody's going to run out of here and do something for God. Glory to God. Amen. So watch this. Look at what he said. Hey, build me a boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet tall with three separate levels. On the inside, gather two of every unclean animal, seven of every clean animal from upon the face of the earth. Gather enough food for you, for your family, and for all the animals for over a year on the boat. No problem. I'll get that done next week. Amen. No, he spent over a hundred years preaching and building and preparing. Oh, well, you know, I've been working on this a long time, isn't it? And people around, it's never going to happen. You're foolish. Hello. Amen. So what? And then while you're at it, so they were actually on the boat one year, one month, and ten days. Think about this. But while they were at it, he had to endure the ridicule ridicule of his peers as you build we're doing all right standing up under the criticism the ridicule of those who tell you you're foolish noah had to be a man of resources talents and natural but also a man who knew how to believe god for incredible provision insight and wisdom beyond his own natural abilities now look at the cover of your outline we walk through this Would God actually ask us to do something beyond our natural ability? Would God actually ask you and me to do something beyond our natural ability? Our resources. But think about it. That will impact our world and all of humanity. That's what the church is. God's asking to build something. that Everything he asks us to do for his king is beyond our abilities. But it's his ability in us. Could it be that we have more potential and resources than we can see? 
Could there be more wisdom and knowledge available to us than what we think we possess? What would happen if we would not balk at the size of the task, but believe in the provision of our God? What would happen? God, I just believe you. People have asked us all the time, how, do you, how are you going to do that? I don't know. I'm just, I think I'll just believe God and see what happens. But just believe God and see what happens. So think about it. Why do we see limitations when God only sees potential in us? When God sees you, he sees potential. Not like the Pinocchio commercial. When I look around this room. <laughs> Come on, God's not lying, amen? I see nothing but potential. No, that, that. <laughs> I love that commercial. Amen. Anyway. But but God is not lying. When he sees you, he knows what he created in you. If God is saying something to you, it's because he knows what he built on the inside of you. And he's just trying to get you to believe it so he can release it into the earth. See, Matthew chapter 19, verse 26. It's off? Am I back on? I'm on. I'm off. I see nothing but potential. Amen. Here we go. So, uh, so we are built by, on, and for purpose. Acts eleven twenty three. Barnabas goes down to Antioch. The people are serving God, and the and, and he says this. He encouraged them to serve God with purpose of heart. To serve God, with, you, you better have some purpose in this day. You better have God divine purpose on the inside of you to live in this day and in this hour. Casual Christianity is over, guys. Just being, you know, nice and being all that. You, you better have your life anchored to some truth. Amen. You best be anchored in the truth of God's word. See, when it comes to fulfilling God's plan, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8, listen to what it says. For this purpose, watch it. For this purpose, the Son of God was made manifest. For this purpose, or in other words, Jesus came for a reason, for purpose. Everything God does in the earth, he does on, by, and for purpose. God saved you on purpose because he has purpose assigned to your life. And we're called to be a people. We have it on our sign out there. God gave us to this to me years ago. That we are a church with passion and we are a people with purpose. That's who we are. We're supposed to have passion about how we worship God, and we're supposed to be living to fulfill His purpose in our life. 1 John 3, 8, For this purpose the Son of God was made manifest, that He might destroy the works of the devil. And when He went to the cross, that's exactly what Jesus did. He destroyed the works of the devil. He, took, he conquered principalities and power, and then He gave you authority over them. That's what we read. All power and authority has been given unto me. Go therefore. So we're walking in that authority. Amen? Amen? So when it comes to fulfilling God's plan for our life, we must understand that he has specific intention and direction for our life, both individually and corporately. He has something that we do for our individual life, and then he has purpose and a reason for us coming together. God wants the church in El Dorado County to be strong, to be vibrant, to be on track, and to be connected to the truth of his word. And he raises up people so there will be salt and light in an area, a place where people can come. Are you listening to me? And so that's what the church is supposed to be. Think about it. 
He, he is not just a God of the plan, but of the purpose also. God has a plan, but he is also the God of purpose. God has chosen, you need to hear this, God has chosen to use men in the earth to do his will and to accomplish his purpose. God has purpose that he will not do anything without you, but he will do it through you. People say, well, pastor, where do you get all the excitement? Where do you get all your energy? That thought right there energizes me. God is looking for somebody that he could accomplish his purpose through. I was going, are you kidding me? Well, I just don't know whether I can serve God or not. Are you kidding me? God says, I can't do anything in the earth unless I find somebody that I can do it through. Okay, the God who created everything you can see, the God who we believe is able to send his son into a virgin womb, give birth through a word into her life, raise him up. He can go to the cross. God can raise him from the dead, and he wants his power and his purpose to work through my life. I believe I have nothing but potential. (laughs) Amen. Come on, people. Amen. Get past our limitation. Think about it. The, he, that he's going to do it through you. The plan and the purpose of the kingdom of God will always be built by and through his people in the earth. Look inside your outline. It has been said that there are two kinds of people in the earth. Those who find a way and those who find an excuse. Come on, if you're number two, get saved today. Think about all, oh, I can't now, I can't do this, I can't, I have an excuse for not getting saved, I need to straighten. No, you just need to get saved. And when you get saved, you make a commitment to the Lord. I give you my life for the rest of my life. Amen? Live for you, honor you. Amen? I'm going to find a way to honor God. I'm going to live to honor God. No more excuses. Praise the Lord. See, God has always spoken to his people to rise and to build his kingdom. We don't have time to read the scripture. I'm going to use Nehemiah for an example. Then we're going to talk about the disciples. That brings it to uh, Nehemiah. We remember the account. Let me just say this. When God wants to work in the earth, it's not about you. The biggest challenge God has in the earth is getting you over you. If God can just get you saved enough to believe he's got you covered, he can do something through your life. But as long as you're living in I need mode, you'll never be a blessing. Come on, you're saved. You're filled with the glory of God. You're blessed beyond measure. Jesus said you don't have to take any thought about what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, where you're going to live, how he's going to take care of you. He clothes the lilies of the field. He cares for the birds of the air. He knows every hair upon your head. And he says your father knows everything you have need of before you ask. So seek first the kingdom. Glory to God. I've been praying every morning at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'm fired up. (laughs) Amen. Come on, church. Think about it. Remember, it's not about us. It's about those who are next to come. What are we building? What are we doing? What's the important thing about our nation? What's the important thing about building our freedom? It's not about you. It's about your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, your great... Those who are yet to come. It's about preserving for posterity, for the next generation. It's about those who are in the womb and those who are yet to be conceived. We're building for the future. God used a man to rebuild the walls of a city. Think about it. Nehemiah was a layman who understood the principle connected to seasons of purpose and times of opportunity. God works by seasons of purpose, and he gives us times of opportunity. In the season of his purpose, you have an opportunity to say yes. 
When God is in a season of purpose and you're in there with him, he gives you an opportunity to say yes. But if we're making excuses, you will miss your opportunity. And there's no guarantee that season comes again. When the Lord revealed this to me, it was around the three times that Jesus was anointed. He was anointed first at Simon the Pharisee's house having dinner when the woman came in and prayed and, and, and fell down at his feet and anointed him with oil and washed his feet with her tears. Amen? And he was anointed there. He was anointed the second time six days before his burial and the third time two days before his burial. Nobody knew the amount of time that he had left on the earth. But... In those accounts, one was at the beginning of his ministry, one was six days before, and the other one was two days before. So to think about anointing him three days later, you missed your season of opportunity to fulfill your time of purpose. Think about the woman two days before. Don't get worried. This woman has done this. She has anointed me for my burial. She had one opportunity in God's season of purpose, in God's season of opportunity to fulfill her purpose, to anoint him for his burial. Are you doing all right? You don't have all kinds of time to get right with God, to get everything, your life all organized. You're supposed to lay everything down and say yes. You put God first, you say yes to God. So what was so important about anointing him for his burial? Because the oil, the fragrant oil, that was poured upon his head and anointed him. While he was going through the trial of persecution, while he's being mocked, while he's being beaten, while he's having his beard ripped out, while he's being spit upon and slapped in the face, while he's being whipped within an inch of his life, he smells the fragrant oil of that anointing. Amen. So watch this. See, purpose... Purpose is deliberate intention. You do something on purpose, deliberately. I'm gonna, I, we choose to deliver. I'm serving God deliberately. That's what I like about our offering boxes. Now, you have to be deliberate about giving. I don't, I don't longer know anybody have to pass a bucket and remind me to give. I want to be deliberate in my giving, purposeful in what I do for God. Acts of resolution and determination. When the season of opportunity comes, I must have resolve of purpose. On the inside of me in order to seize the moment. When Nehemiah heard the condition of the wall and the city, he knew that he that the people were unprotected from the enemy. God will move on men to act on behalf of the welfare of his people. God moves upon you and I to act on the welfare and the benefit for other people. He moved quickly to act based on the situation at hand. He used his position in the king's court to accomplish his task. We all have connections and influence in life. Every one of you have connections and influence in your life. You have a sphere of influence. There's some place that you can go that he can't go. What's so significant about the woman at the well? Jesus said, I need to go to Samaria. He, listen to what he said. I need to go where I can't go. The only way I can go there if I can go through somebody on my behalf. So if I go to a well, I can witness to a woman. I can bring her into reconciliation and redemption. And then I can go there through her. Amen. So God comes to do his will through our lives. We have to be connected. See, think about this. 
He moved quickly on behalf based on the situation. He used his position in the king's court to accomplish his task. We all have those connections of influence. This was the heathen king of their captivity. But Nehemiah possessed certain qualities that we can all aspire to attain. Come on, we're all able to grab a hold of these things right here. Number one, courage in the face of challenge. Come on, how many know we could all have more courage in the face of a challenge? Two, compassion for the oppressed. Number three, integrity, godliness, and selflessness. Number four, a willingness to give up the luxury and ease of the palace to help his people. In other words, self-sacrifice. To be givers, to be generous. Number five, he is a dedicated layman with the right priorities and concern for God's work. Somebody say this with me, he's just a man. So in that day, he wasn't a prophet, he wasn't a priest, and he was not the king. God didn't come to the prophet, God didn't come to the priest, and he wasn't stirring up a king. God just went to a man. He was just a man. Listen to what the Bible says. The eyes of the Lord search to and fro, that he might find a man, any man, on whose behalf he might show himself strong. <laughs> Amen. You know what I do? Pick me. Pick me. I'm crazy. Pick me. That's the problem. That's the problem. You're not crazy yet. You're not crazy yet. Let, let me put that. Crazy people don't care what anybody thinks about them. Oh, yeah, go out on the street. Find somebody that's really crazy. They're walking up down the street doing all kinds of crazy things. Do you know what they care about your opinion? Nothing. What if you got crazy for God like that? You got, you, what if you got delivered from the voices and the opinions of people? And the only thing you cared about was being obedient to God. God, I'm just going to do what you say. I'm just going to live for you. I'm going to honor you. I mean, I'm going to be obnoxious. Amen. I'm just going to be crazy. Amen. Hallelujah. Let me just tell you this. Can I just give you a personal testimony? Crazy is a blast. Crazy is fun. It's exciting. It's, it's glorious to be crazy. It's free to be crazy. Amen. Anybody want to be crazy? Amen. All right, we'll find out. <laughs> Amen. So what? He's able, but look at this about Nehemiah. He's able to encourage and to rebuke at the right time. We don't need just encourage. You know what we don't like today? We don't like correction today. We're a nation that doesn't like correction. We're a people, society. Well, don't tell me anything. Just tell me how good I am. Well, I would, but there's too much in front of that that we need to talk about first. Amen. Number seven, he's strong in prayer and gives all the glory and credit to God. That's what we need to do. Always give God the glory and the credit and be strong in prayer. Look at the next point. He was simply a man who heard the need, sought the Lord, received favor and provision to accomplish a God-given task. Amen. Purpose. He surveyed the task, rallied the people, conquered the enemy, refused to quit, and finished the work. That has to be our posture. We look at the work that has to be done, we put our hands to it, and we keep going. See, these were men, Noah and Nehemiah were men just like you. And you and I could be a Nehemiah or a Noah in our day. That's what God's raising up right now. He's raising up men and women who are going to be strong in the Lord and be obedient to what he's asking us to do. 
Let me talk to you about the disciples just for a moment. Jesus called those who followed him from what they were doing to what he was doing. That's always what God calls you to do. If you want to be used by God, there has to be something in you that's willing to be called from what you're doing to what he's doing. You can't do your will and his will at one time. You say, well, you know, I really wrestled. So did Jesus. He said, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he started at age 12. I must be about my father's business. So you have to do that. God will take care of everything that you have to do or else you get to take care of all yourself. And when you're taking care of all of your plans and all your purposes, you'll find you never have time for God. But when you put him first, he causes all things to work together for your good. Amen. So listen to it. We all quote, in fact, go with me to Romans chapter 8 real quick. I want to read this and set it in order. Because sometimes we quote the verse that we like, we leave out the part that we should have read. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. We love this verse. We have this on our refrigerator. Except for the last part of it. And we know that all things work together for good. Could I get an amen? amen. Oh, come on. Amen. We know all things work together for good. Amen. To those who love God. Glory to God. I love God. I love the Lord. Amen. And are called. According to his purpose. His purpose. Not yours. Not your desires. Not your checklist on your prayers. Well, pastor, you're meddling. Sorry, it's my job. Amen. But those who are called according to his purpose. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Hey, no, I need you to build me an ark. Well, you know, Lord, I'll get after that right after this. Nehemiah, we need to rebuild the wall. You know what, Lord? As soon as I get done with this, I'll think about, you know, praying about that and do that. Jesus called people from what they were doing to what he is doing. Now, I put it in here because this is what happened. God asks you for your whole life. When Jesus fed the multitudes, it was for this reason. He didn't do it just to show people that he could multiply food. Jesus never did anything to prove that he could do it. He did it to reveal truth to us and to show us how the kingdom worked. He said, give me what you have. When you give me what you have, I mix it with mine. The moment I mix it with mine, it loses its identity of being yours. It, is no, it goes from being yours to being mine. Whether it's bread or whether it is your life. It goes from being yours to being mine. Paul said, and our life is now hidden in him. My identity is in him. My life is now his life. Paul said it like this. I am crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me so that I might have life in him. Amen? And so the moment you give something to Christ, it loses its identity of being your. That's just like when you honor God with your finances. It's no longer your money. It becomes his money. And once it is added to him, it's added into the fullness of all that he is. And when he gives what you give to him back, it comes back not out of your supply, but out of his supply in multiplied form. 
But it doesn't come back in multiplied form with your identity back on it. It's come back in multiplied form with the definement of his purpose upon it. It goes through, he broke the bread because purpose, being redefined by his purpose, is brokenness in our life. I have to allow a brokenness to take place in my life of re-identification. My identity is now his purpose. So I have to be broken, be removed from my purpose to accept his. Are you doing all right? And when I do that, then watch what happens. Then he says, now, you take what I give back to you, and you go feed the multitude. You give it to the multitude first, and there will be abundance left over for you. All right, praise the Lord. You live by any other principle you want. That's the only biblical one that works. Amen? God's principle, you either live by them or you make up your own. Are you doing all right? Okay, so watch this. Jesus had no problem asking for total commitment to his person. Jesus had no problem asking for total commitment. I remember the old pig and the chicken joke. Pig and a chicken walking down the street. Come by the church sign. Building fun breakfast this Sunday. Come and join us. Pig looks at the chicken. Hey, let's go help him have a ham and egg breakfast. Chicken looks at the pig. I mean, the chicken says to the pig, let's go have him have a ham and egg breakfast. Pig looks at the chicken. That's a good idea. He says, on your part, that's only a contribution. On my part, that's total commitment. Amen? Chicken gets plop out a couple eggs. God's not looking for some chicken Christians. He's looking for some bacon Christians. Amen? God's looking for some bacon believers. I don't know if I have any bacon, but I'm going to make up a shirt. Amen. Eli, let's have Sean make some shirts. Bacon believer. I'm a bacon believer. Amen? How many want a t-shirt that says bacon believer? Glory to God. I'm a bacon believer. On the back, we'll put total commitment. Amen. Totally committed. Glory to God. Amen. Censor that. Glory to God. Amen. So now watch this. He did not ask for a one-time offering, but a lifestyle of sacrifice, giving for a lifetime. Jesus asked us for a life, a whole life commitment to his cause. In Matthew chapter 10, the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, what do I have to do to be saved? And Jesus says, go give up everything you have and come and follow me. Put me first in your kingdom. Now, remember, the return that Jesus offers is always greater than the investment. Never forget that. The return that Jesus offers is always greater than the investment. There is no fear of loss with God. You need to say that. Say that with me. There's no fear of loss with God. You need to get that. That's the one thing the devil uses against God's people is the fear of loss. The initial investment scares most people away because the initial investment is forsake all and to follow him. And it is a scary phrase. Luke chapter 14, we don't have time to read that either. But if you go through, Jesus declared the cost of discipleship. And the cost of discipleship is everything let go and him made first in our life. Put him first above everything else. We prayed it this morning through Matthew chapter 10 into our life. Lastly, Jesus calls us to the work of the kingdom. 
We can never do a work of righteousness on our own. There is no work that one can do to make himself right with God. Jesus is our righteousness. He's been made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. But there is work that we do because we are right with God. Amen. There's no such thing as an unemployed Christian. There's no such thing as an unproductive believer. People just come in, listen, and go out and do nothing for God. That's not Christianity. That's self-gratification and self-assurance, making myself feel bad about, feel good about my own life. Christianity is a life-given service. Jesus is Lord, and we are serving Him. Can you say amen? amen? See, there was and is only one who could work righteous for us, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The work of the kingdom is the fruit that we bear as a result of being connected to the vine. This is the fruit that flows from abiding in him. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you can ask what you will and it shall be done for you. Verse 7, seven I believe, is there. He says, I, verse 16, I have called you and I have appointed you that you should go forth and bear much fruit. He says earlier in, that, in chapter 15 that the vine's connected to the branch. The branches are connected to the vine. And every branch in me that does not bear fruit, is cut off and cast into the fire. I don't know about you. I want some fruit hanging on me. Amen? I want some fruit. Amen. Praise the Lord. And that's connected to his purpose for our lives. Amen. So think about this. The New Testament is filled with the call to work, accountability, and the promise of reward. Hear this this morning. Impact is always connected to work. He says, I want to make an impact for God with my life. Well, he's going to ask you to do something then going to involve work kind of like an ark and a wall yeah. amen hallelujah kind of like one guy said he, he, he bought this plot of land and he fixed it all up his gorgeous piece of brand new landscape and made it all beautiful and some people come by and and uh and that i mean he spent a lot of years just beautifying it and all that stuff how many of you have ever been to butrus gardens up in uh, uh wherever that is Bouchard garden yeah that one amen it's in a rock quarry it's, it's amazing, beautiful garden up there. You walk through it. Well, it's kind of like this guy. You walk in, you see that. Oh, man, isn't this beautiful? Look what the Lord has done. The reality is, man, you should have seen it when God had it all by himself. Yeah. 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 Amen. So God calls you to do it, and then when you get in agreement with God, he beautifies something through your agreement to work for his glory. Amen? So John chapter 14, Jesus says that's, that the same and greater work we would do than Jesus. John chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, Jesus heals the blind man that the works of God are to be revealed in us. John 15, 1 through 8, everything flows through connection, as we have said. Fruit is there, is there to prove that I am connected and brings the pruning that saves me from the fire. Amen. Acts 13, 1 through 3, God separates Barnabas and Paul for a specific work that he has set them to. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15, the Bible says that our works will be tried by fire. What we're doing, what we're calling working for God is going to pass through the fire. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 through 11 says that we'll give accountability for the deeds done in this flesh. Matthew 7, 15 through 29, we're called to do his will. He that hears his word and does his word. Luke, 7, Luke 9, 62, that we're only fit when we have a hold of the plow. Luke 9, 62 said, no man is fit for the kingdom who has put his hand to the plows and then turned away. We have to have a hold of the plow. 
Amen. I mean, I have a, I have a pastor friend, Mike Warren, pastors Calvary Chapel in Oroville. And when I was going to Bible school, I got caught up in working and being engaged. I, I, I enrolled. And then in, in that summer, I got caught up and I dropped out. And so he graduated that year and he's preaching the baccalaureate service for graduation. And, he, and he, he quotes that verse and he's looking right at me. Amen. I got saved and re-enrolled. Put my hand back to the plow. Amen. So I enrolled and I graduated and we haven't looked back since. Praise the Lord. Sue and I have been running for now 40 years this year, full-time ministry. This year, 40 years, 2021, amen. We went in the the ministry in 1981. This marks 40 years. We're going to have a 40-year celebration in a brand new sanctuary. Amen. Running for God. Come on. 40 years of yes. 40 years of yes. You need to live like that for the Lord. To call Jesus Lord means to do what he says. The word do is connection to an action or activity. Unfortunately, it's too easy to become discouraged in the work of ministry. Go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. We get ready to close. 2 Timothy chapter 4. The worship team will come back. Discouragement in ministry. Not everybody who starts with you finishes with you. In life, in ministry, in anything else. Not everybody who starts with you finishes with you. Amen. For all the myriad of reasons. There's reasons through it all. You have to purpose in your heart, I'll not be moved by those who are with me or those who are not with me. I'm connected to the purpose of God. If you're connected to the purpose of God, you will always have who and what you need in your life. You will always have the people and you will always have the resources. God fulfills his purpose in your life. Are you doing all right? God always brings the people you need. But you have to get over not being discouraged. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Paul says, be diligent, writing to Timothy, be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world and has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens for Galatia. Titus for, Deli- for that Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he's useful to me for the ministry. So Paul says, here I am, and I need some help. Come to me. Because there are those who have departed from me. So you have to fight through the discouragement of those who started with you but are no longer with you. Because God will always have somebody there to fill the gap. Amen. He's called you to it. Everyone who has ever said yes to God's purpose in their life has had to press through the waves of discouragement and distraction that come from time to time. They have had to overcome the challenges of working with others 
and to guard their heart against offenses. The challenges of serving God is not get offended. Amen. You can't even live in the house with the same people that are family without guarding your heart and not being offended. Doing all right? So serving God is working with people. But listen, yet when they press through, they keep their focus and maintain their cause. God does amazing things through their lives. You know what I've enjoyed? I've enjoyed this prayer time on Facebook, being able to pray with people. And we're, I, God is reconnecting me with people that have passed through my life. Well, the transitions, we've got all different kinds of things, but we're still connected. They're not here, but we're still connected. And we're, and we're encouraging one and embracing one another. Come on, just let God be God in your life. Amen? Don't allow that discouragement to come in. And it's so refreshing to see God move in such a generous way like that. Think about it. Noah, Nehemiah, the disciples, and all who have ever said yes to God have had to face great opposition and the opportunity to stop, to let go, and to give up. We all face that, to let go and to give up. God's Word records their adversity, hear me, so we too can have the faith to overcome our obstacles and finish the race of our life victoriously. You can impact your world. God has something He wants to do on the earth. And He's asking if He can do it through you in this hour. You know, I started this year and I said, I don't believe that we need, you know, every year we try to find something. The, the letter one, I mean the number one is so easy to rhyme with. His will be done in 2021. Woo! I mean, come up with anything. You're going to need more than a catchphrase and a buzzword to make it through 2021. You're going to need more than just a word. You know what you need? You need the whole word, nothing but the word. You're going to need the whole counsel of God to make it through. This is the word of, of the Lord for this year. <laughs> the whole thing. Amen. You need all of God's word, and you need to apply it all. I don't just need a word that tells me that I'm going to have a great year. Amen. I don't just need a word that tells me that I'm blessed. Amen. I am blessed. I already got that word. Amen. I am the blessed of the Lord. Amen. Why? Because I'm redeemed. I am in Christ. Everything I need is fulfilled in my life. The Lord is my shepherd. I do not want. I don't have a want. I don't have a care. I don't have a worry. Amen. I am in Him. Amen. I'm fully supplied, fully provisioned, fully cared for. I have health. I have strength. I have vitality. Amen. What do you have? You can't just agree with me. What do you say? Do you understand what I'm telling you? You have to be able to say that. That has to be in your heart. You can't agree with somebody else. That's like David trying to put on Saul's armor. This is how, you know, I like that song. They say, this is how I fight my battles. Okay. How do you fight your battle? You want to know? By what's coming out of your mouth. I can listen to you talk for five minutes and tell you whether you're winning or losing. Are you doing all right? Amen. Stand with me this morning. How's your relationship with God? How's your relationship with God? I'm asking every person here this morning. You're standing, bow your head just for a moment. How's your relationship with God? Have you opened your heart and given your life to Him? 
do you know him personally as your Savior? Today, do you know that you need to be born again? I'm going to ask you if you just go to church. I'm asking you, have you given your life to Christ? Has you heard him say, come and follow me, give me your life? Have you responded in the affirmative? Have you said yes to Christ with your life? Maybe today you're here and you would say, Pastor, I know him, but I know I'm not right with God. You once had a relationship with God, but for whatever reason, you may have walked away or let that slip or, or diminish in some way. And you know that he has drawn you here today and that he has never walked away from you. He wants to restore the relationship you had with him before you left. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to say yes to God for the first time. Maybe you need to restore your relationship. Maybe you're here today and for whatever reason, you've just been out of fellowship and away from church and God's people. And today you feel God calling you back into fellowship. God, I need to get back. I've been distracted. I need to get back on purpose, serving you, fulfilling your plan in my life. Maybe that's you. Amen. Maybe you're here today and you can say with all honesty that you know God and you're saved, forgiven, right relationship with God and man, but as of yet, you've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. You've never experienced that endowment with power, baptizing the Holy Spirit, able to pray in the Spirit and pray by the Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you need God's healing touch in your body. So while everybody's head is bowed, if that's you in any one of those areas, while nobody's looking around, just step out from where you are. Come right up here. We're going to pray. You have a need in any one of those areas. You need to give your life to Christ. You need to renew your relationship with Him. You, you need to just get plugged back in and how you're serving God. You've been distracted, drawn away by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, maybe the desire for other things, that the, you love God, but something's been choked out in your life, any of that area, or you want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, or you need healing in any area of your life, a touch from God, then I want to pray for you right now. They're going to begin to sing, and as they sing, you need prayer in any one of those areas, you come, and we're going to pray for you before we close.